Hey everyone, this is Isaac Maddox, and I'm the pastor of Activate Church, and this is our podcast. Remember, you can subscribe to our podcast and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. I hope this message blesses you, encourages you, builds your faith, and I hope you enjoy the message. weekend and uh man fourth of july and people are gone but life goes on church goes on we're here and last sunday was incredible uh, worship sunday and uh if you weren't here you missed it and it was it was so good so thankful for our team um and uh, camp is today so i know i know all the young people are getting ready um and some of them will be here second service we're going to pray for them and, and send them out but if you have a young person that uh, needs to go to camp, which is basically if you have a young person, they need to go to camp. Um, it's not too late. There's grace, and uh, the grace covers all the administrative, you know, lack thereofs and plannings. This is Jesus. Just come on in. Come on in. Drive them down tonight. Uh, if you're someone that wants to be a part of it, man, come. Go, go down to the night sessions. It's, at, it's in Canby. It's not too far. Come down and, uh, and have church with us. Um, Anyways, it's good to be in church. Uh, I'm, uh, we had a big week uh, with family and um, Carrie's mother. Uh, if you don't know, Mary Feltman, Jim and Mary uh, were a part of our original team, really. In, in our, in our, uh, we started this church in our house six years ago, and Jim and Mary were really uh, a part of the original uh, couple of us. And uh, so Mary went to heaven on Wednesday, um, actually Tuesday, I believe, July, July 2nd, Mary, Mary went to heaven. And uh, this Wednesday, um, this Wednesday, uh, July 10th, uh, at 7 o'clock, we'll have a memorial service, and we'll celebrate her life. And um, we just invite our church family to, to be here. And uh, people from all over are flying in, and uh, we're going to have an incredible time together. And um, this place will be full, so please come early and uh, just love on uh, the family and the church and uh, I'm here, even though there's a part of me that doesn't want to be here. Um, it's emotionally exhausting a week. And uh, I just felt that this is my family. And, and I wanted you to know, um, I'm, I'm here to preach, so I'm not just going to talk here. But I just wanted to talk with some friends. And um, that, that in, 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 in weeks that are a bit overwhelming... Um, a bit exhausting, a bit dark, uh, tough, however you want to call it. We all have different trials, different seasons um, that, that don't withdraw, that I'm here because I know I need to be here and I want to be here, but there's always a part that because of life, but we live in a, a, a time and a season and a generation, whatever you want to call it, that no matter what happens, we withdraw, and it is like the worst thing we can do. I understand we don't necessarily want to be around people, and there's a part of that that's good. There's a part of rest. There's a part of uh, processing. Um, you know, uh, my wife's going to be here second service, and just barely, though, you know, just sleepless nights and, and just crying and, and um, just all of the process. Um, And we used to say something when we started the church. We used to, um, you know, when you start with eight people in your house, um, 
every one person matters. You still matter. Every one person still matters. Um, every one matters. Uh, but the, the point is, you, we would just always say this phrase, like, hey, we're going to do life together, you know. Jared and Tasha, come along and let's, let's, let's do life together. And the, and, the, and the crazy thing is, I never really thought about the whole let's do death together. Um, but in Hebrews, it said they died in faith. And, you know, as a church, as a family, uh, we do life and we do death together. And we don't all know uh, the days we believe in healing. Absolutely. It's, what's so cool about that doctrine is it's undeniable. <laughs> it's all past tense. So you don't even have to argue with it. It's just by his stripes we are healed. We, we, it's done. Just like salvation, it's, it's been prepared. Um, and, yet, and yet our days are numbered. And yet, uh, heaven is our home, and, and uh, it's, it's obviously difficult and crazy. Um, but ju- just, 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 just put your roots down. If this isn't your church, that's cool. Find a church um, less awesome than this, and, and I'm kidding. Get, just, just go to church. We live in the most unchurched region, and, and we're changing that, and we're believing that. And every time someone comes to church, and I, get, I know it's summer, and I know some uh, Joel and Tori came back from the beach this weekend just to be here. And there's a time to go to the beach, please. But there's also, you know, uh, a time to be in church and, 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 and raise your kids in church. And, and let's break the trend of if you know somebody, we have a system in place. We call people. We send emails. And if they leave, it's cool. We don't, like, you know, go after them and, hey, you need to come back to church. Uh, but there's also just as a church family, we all know whether you lose a job or you lose something from small to great, that the, the tendency is to pull back and isolate and just, well, I just needed some time alone. The truth of it is, is yeah, you do, but very little. What you really need is not more Netflix and ice cream, even though, man, for a few hours, you need that. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but you need family. And you need irritating family. Um, and that's why we don't want to be around you. That's why I don't want to be here. Someone's going to say something stupid to me. You know, or my wife. Oh, well, she's in a better place. I got that. But right now she's grieving, and it sucks. <laughs> and so sometimes, man, just someone giving you a hug and just saying, hey, I will tell you this. My compassion has increased. My capacity has increased. People used to tell me about hospice and, you know, someone dying over the course of years with cancer. And I just, you know, I didn't know. I just knew, yeah, man, that's all. I'm so sorry. Now I'm like, mm, you know, I feel you. And, you know, that's the, the, the journey that God calls us to live is to, is to, is to minister. Ministry comes out of your, your crushing in, in your life. And we sing new wine. We, if we sing new wine, well, new wine comes from the crushing of grapes. <laughs> and I don't like that part. I, I love Easter. I love Resurrection Sunday. <laughs> but Good Friday? I don't, I don't, know, about, I don't know about the cross. But uh, it is a part of life. And uh, anyways, come to church. Come to family. Just so you know, everything that we do, most of what we do <laughs> is to connect people in family. That's what the church is. Amen. And so if you, if you haven't seen someone in a while, man, I'm telling you, 90% of the time when I reach out to someone, it isn't because of something I said and they, well, I just don't agree with what you preach anymore. You know, that, that can happen. Or the, the worship. And a lot of times, man, life takes its course. And reach out to somebody and uh, love on them. But I am here to preach, um, and I'm excited, and uh, and I'm, I'm thankful for the word. And uh, we're going to celebrate 
and we'll cry some tears, and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll hug, and, and Wednesday will be Wednesday, and today is Sunday. So if you didn't know Mary, and you don't know what's going on, uh, it's okay. It's okay. If you're having the best summer of your life, that is good. That's, uh, there's times and seasons, and, and uh, we're here as a church to, uh, to preach the gospel, to bring people to Jesus, and uh, to celebrate, man, the gospel of grace. Amen. And I'm so thankful for this church just over six years, like I said, in my house, in our house, and just to see what God is doing. And uh, it's incredible. This is our second summer camp. And uh, again, man, there's sometimes in June and July when, when churches can be ghost towns and it, it can be tough. And I'm so thankful for this house um, serving and loving and preaching the gospel. And, and someone got saved last week and baptized. And it's just, it's just cool. That, that, that's, that's why we're here. Amen. That's why we're here. And heaven's more real to me than ever before. And God is more real. And uh, let's talk about that this morning. Um, let's go to Genesis. I'm, we're still in the series. Um, uh, what's the name of the series? I've got a dream. There it is. Oh, Destined for the Throne. Okay. No, that's the, that's the, that's the name of the message. But there we go. I've got a dream. Um, and we've had, you know, we've had all kinds of special Sundays. And so this series tarries. But it's good. We're gonna we're gonna look we're gonna continue to look at the life of Joseph because I think it's it's life changing, amen. And um, but God gave Joseph a dream, God gave Joseph a dream, and it transformed his life. And so I believe there's some there's some keys and there's some principles and there's some revelations from God's word um, that are life changing. A couple weeks ago, I started destined for the throne. And uh, Joseph was destined for the throne, even when it didn't look like it. And so I want to do part two of that. Um, anyways, Genesis 39. Genesis chapter 39, verse 1. Now, Joseph has been sold from his, his family. His, his brothers were going to kill him, but they had grace on him, and they decided to throw him into a pit and, 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 and sell him off. Ishmaelites bought him, and they sold him, and he was sold into slavery in Egypt. So that's where we pick it up. This is at the bottom of Joseph's uh, trial. Uh, he has a few other rock bottoms. You ever had, you thought you hit rock bottom, and you realize, no, that wasn't rock bottom. And you're like, oh, shoot. Um, and then you're like, this has got to be rock bottom. There is a rock bottom, amen, and it won't last forever. And, uh, but here's Joseph at the beginning of rock bottom, verse 1 of 39. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. I mean, of all places to land into, a, into a, a top military officer in Egypt. Not only an unknown land, a foreign land, really an enemy of, of God's people. You happen to find yourself in a militant family. That's not really the place you want to land. The Lord is with Joseph, and he was a successful man. He was successful. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. And that the Lord made all that he did, all that he did to prosper in his hand. Let's read that again. That's a key verse, if you want to underline that. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. And that the Lord made all. All. Someone say all. 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 That's a lot. All. I, I do a pastor's joke, which is in the original language, that means all. <laughs> All right, we got that. Uh, all right. All that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. 
Then he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had he put under his authority. There's a theme to basically Joseph being absolutely in charge, going from servant to being in charge, but not necessarily his own stuff. The Bible says that before you have your own ministry or your own family or your own stuff, you'll sow into someone else's. And if you can never do that, you probably won't ever have your own stuff. Now, there's always an exception to the rule, but don't live your life trying to be the exception to the rule. Even though someone wins the lottery, it's probably not going to be you. I hope you do. And I hope you tithe under the order of Melchizedek. Amen. Um, To Jesus. But the point is, we all are living typically, God, I want to be the exception to the rule. And God says, well, hold on. Why don't you just live according to the rule? Trying to be an exception. I'm going to eat donuts every day and be in shape. I have been trying to crack that code. I'm going to give up on that. Amen? (laughs) Trying to be the exception. So it was from that time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had, all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. We get it. And he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. Okay, out of nowhere. Verse 7. And it came to pass after these things, his master's wife, okay, cast longing eyes on Joseph. And she said, lie with me. Um, probably not like that. It's much more seductive. Be careful what you fantasize and daydream about. Amen. Because this is a lot of you, not mine, a lot of you, your fantasy. This is, this is your fantasy. Um, what if it came to pass? Here's Joseph. He refused and said to his master's wife, look, <laughs> look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There's no one greater in his house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me, but you, because you are his wife. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Sin against God. So it was, as she spoke to Joseph day by day, that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. Whew, man, this guy is one focused dude. I want to talk about this, this whole concept of, of everything he had um, was blessed. Let's look at that this morning. Lord, we just thank you for today. God, we thank you that there is more to life than death. There's more to life than just all of the things that make up life, even though they can be good and there's purpose to them. You're a God of the small things. You know every hair on our head or lack thereof. You know every detail. There's, you don't, you're not someone, God, who says that doesn't matter. Lord, you are a God that everything matters. Everything matters. And Lord, we thank you as we journey through life that we've never been here before. We've never been on the precipice of this day and this hour and this moment. And God, you're always doing a new thing. And Lord, today we gather under the name of Jesus. We gather under the name and under the cross and under, under, under all that you have given us through your life Lord, we thank you that the new covenant was paid for through your blood. And Lord, oftentimes life is about picking up the cross and following you. Lord, even though it always leads to life, it always leads to miracles, it always leads to your presence, God, there is the process of time and the, and the process of events. And God, we thank you that we can take heart because ultimately you have overcome the world. 
God, you have overcome death. You've overcome sin. You've overcome guilt and shame and abuse and dysfunction. Lord, it was all nailed to the cross. And you came up after defeating death and overcoming the grave. Lord, three days later on Resurrection Sunday. And we are people of the resurrection. We are people of Jesus. All of our hope now is in you. All of our joy, all of our faith, all of our love is in you. And Lord, we thank you today. Lord, we thank you that we might see you today and never be the same because of you. And God, we just thank you for camp. We just pray bless all the young people going this week. Let them have a life-changing week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, So I've had the... the, uh, the, the blessing of having some lifelong friends. Um, and I was going to point them out, but I think they're on vacation today. Some of them go to this church. But I've had, I have three lifelong friends, um, and that's incredible. It's, it's a blessing throughout the seasons. And like I said, we all met when we were at church at when we were five and six and five or something like that, just when we were little. And that, that, that's a good thing. It's ultimately a good thing. But the bummer is they know me. And so they even, again, they, they even have to listen to my sermons every Sunday and me tell stories. It kind of keeps me accountable slightly, even though I am a preacher and an evangelist, and so things can become inflated. Um, I, I do feel a sense of accountability because they, they, they know me. And so I can't go fishing with them and say, sorry, I'm just having a bad day. No, they know. No, you're not a good fisherman. You've never been a good fisherman. Um, I'm not having a bad day of golf. I, I have a bad swing. Amen. And I, I can't just say, well, last week, you know, last summer, I, uh, my back, you know, I'm, I'm not as good anymore. They're like, no, you've never been good. And, and so it, it, can be, it can be difficult. Now, again, don't feel sorry for me, but I do feel even before Instagram and Facebook, like, they were always just slightly better at everything. You know, just ping pong. They're always just a little bit better. Um, now, video games didn't really matter to me until all I did was lose, and you, you kind of want to beat them at Mortal Kombat. Amen? Yeah. Um, amen, Mortal Kombat. And, and so you don't always want to be the guy losing. But I do feel like everybody was kind of slightly better looking and, and slightly more athletic and, and slightly more smarter. And uh, <laughs> you see what I mean? And, 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 and you know, just kind of always like, and you're happy for them. But, you know, honestly, you kind of just kind of feel like, okay, everybody's just a little bit better than me. And then I get married, and I don't know why we call him my brother-in-law. It's not really my brother-in-law. It's my wife's sister's husband. Uh, but you know how that happens sometimes? It's just like, I don't know why we call each other uncle. Everyone's an uncle to my kids. You're like, hey, this is Uncle Bill, you know, even though it's not an uncle. But I don't know how these things happen. But Elijah became my brother-in-law. And, and of course, he's just tall, good-looking, was born with a six-pack. Like, him being fat is a four-pack. And it's so annoying to hear him complain, right? Oh, that was my fat season. You know, I only had a four-pack. I'm like, what is that? And I remember, I loved it. You know, I got my brother-in-law. And we used to go, and we'd get... Um, Preach at the same camps, and I'm like, oh man, we're preachers of the gospel. And then I come to find out he can also go over and play music and worship. You're like, oh, well, that's great. That's nice. You know, Isaac, do you play anything? No, no. Just a preacher of the gospel, you know? And they all, oh, they left these incredible things to serve God. I never left anything, it was the only thing I ever had. You know, it's like, Isaac, what'd you give up to preach the gospel? Nothing. 
You know, it was this or be, you know, nothing. Um, this is what I did. But it, it, it just feels like, you know, again, in life, especially when you have close friends and you can't make excuses and you can't blame, they, they know you inside and out. And it just feels sometimes like, man, every time you go to do your taxes, you get a big refund, not me. You know, I'm filing for extensions and trying to figure out how to pay my taxes. And they're all, you know, I got $10,000 this year. You know, I'm like, oh, great. Like, they're the ones that look good in spandex. They're the ones that get the girl. You know, they're the ones when the prophet comes to town and, you know, they point you. And you know, it's like, me? Like, no, right now. Oh, my friend right next to me? Cool. You know, it's like, you're going to be, you know, wealthy beyond your imaginations. You know, I'm just got my hand on them like, that's great. It's wonderful. You're going to have an international ministry, you know, and you're like, awesome. And then on the way out, they give me like the pity prophecy, you know. I just see a season of stewardship and serving and don't give up. Don't grow weary and well-doing. Amen. You're like, thank you. You know, it's like they go to Starbucks, they get the free drink, you know. It just feels like sometimes... I'm just being, this is just healing this morning. And, um, but it feels at times, whether it's friends or family or Instagram and faith, whatever it is, that everyone else is getting blessed. And, and, and everything other people do, even when they go through a trial, it seems like they can handle it better. They look better. They sound better. They're, they're just built and wired for grieving, for, for being promoted, for just life being good. And when you look at Joseph, it looks like that. It, it looks like he's good looking. He's got the coat. He's got the family. He's got the pedigree. He's got the heritage. Even when he gets his whole life upended, he hits rock bottom. He just keeps going. He's got the Midas touch. You know anybody that has the Midas touch? It feels like just everything they do is just blessed. The, the Bible says that everything Joseph did prospered. Everything. Just think about that for a second. How overwhelmingly stressful is that? Because obviously I'm being a little facetious with my friends. If we put them all together, then maybe they would be that perfect human being, that Superman. But, but when you're surrounded by greatness in different ways, in your mind, they're all one person because you're constantly only seeing their successes. How stressful is it to think that Joseph was good at everything? How do you get good at everything? Is that what we're called to do, to come to church every Sunday and be encouraged along different lines of things? And you're just supposed to be encouraged to be awesome at integrity and awesome at faith and awesome at worship and awesome at serving and being able to never be jealous and always love your enemies and always invite people. You know, it just seems like we're always talking about, and when you walk into your house, you know, don't just walk by your neighbor, but invite them to church. You're like, yes. It's just constantly one motivational speech on how to be awesome at everything. Don't cheat on your taxes. Yes, Lord, forgive me. Don't lust. Don't, 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 don't have fear. Don't be anxious for anything. That's right. So you're supposed to be awesome at faith and awesome at confidence and awesome at identity and awesome at forgiveness and, and, and awesome across thousands of different things. Is that what Joseph was? Is this what's going on? That he's just good at everything and we just get to be surrounded by some of these superhuman people that are good at everything? They're, they're entrepreneurial. They're managerial. They're faith. They're creative. They play music, they preach, they smile, they look young, they look healthy. I mean, is it a little exhausting sometimes? 
when you're just around superhuman, awesome people, right? Sorry, I gotta go downstairs and move some stocks around. Gotta move some money out of Swiss, Switzerland into Belgium. You're like, what? <laughs> Who does that? Well, you're supposed to invest in your future and tithe and budget. And it's just sometimes, man, is this, is this, what, is this what this scripture is saying? That I'm supposed to be good at everything. I'm supposed to know everything. I mean, some of you are incredible leaders, and leaders are readers. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and I love reading, but man, like a book a week, how many books do I need to read to be awesome at everything? I'm going to hit tax code this week. You know, I got five books on taxes. And then the next week, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about, did you just ever, I'm supposed to be politically involved, but not too political because I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm supposed to be all about me, but more about us. I'm supposed to be about unity, but maybe some diversity because I'm a hand, not a foot. But I'm not supposed to compare. But I'm not supposed to covet, but I'm supposed to be confident. <laughs> Shut down. I, there's just sometimes, man, just a constant... Okay, am I ever, but then, you know, someone gets up and preaches grace and say, you're seated at the right hand of the Father with Jesus, and you're sitting down, not standing up, you're sitting down, rest. And you're like, how am I supposed to rest? I'm supposed to be a good dad, I'm supposed to love my wife, I'm supposed to take him out, to, I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to go hiking, and I don't like to hike, but I'm supposed to like to hike. But if she asks me what I want to do today, am I supposed to be honest, or am I supposed to say hiking? Like, I'm supposed to rest. I'm supposed to preach the gospel. I'm supposed to feed the poor, but feed my kids all within 24 hours and only seven days a week. How? How does Joseph, how is he good at everything? So we got two schools of thought. There's superhuman, awesome people that have had the right last name, born in the right town, have the right degree, have the right trust fund. They just, they've got the generational thing happening it's not in the cards for me or we read this verse and we say oh the hand of God was upon Joseph and God just did it and so we live oftentimes in two schools of thought that there's awesome people and you know God bless them they just look good in spandex it's just, just that's just the way it is and me I'm just gonna wait for the hand of God and so I need the hand of God to come upon my marriage, my finances, and I'm just waiting for the hand of God. The problem is, if we have that verse, um, it says in verse 3, in verse 3, that God prospered, maybe we don't have that, God prospered not by his hand. It's not a big H. Verse 3. It's not a big H. It's a little H. So God prospered Joseph with everything that was in his hand. So, so everything that was in his hand, whether he was in his father's house or whether he was in Potiphar's house, which is not where he would want to be, whatever was in his hand prospered. And so maybe the key to what is in your heart, getting what's in your heart, because what is in your heart probably doesn't match up with what's in your hand. But the key is what's in your hand. The key, David, is I know you want a sword, but you got a sling. And so the key to your future is with you right now. And so 
We, 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 but we just don't like right now, and so we despise right now, and we just want to get out of right now. And so we either want to be superhumanly awesome, or we just need the hand of God to come upon us. But the hand of God coming upon Joseph wasn't this magical hand that came and did everything. Of course the hand of God was upon Joseph, but it came through his hand. It came through his hand. And that's why even lately I keep, I keep finding myself praying God comfort them and God love them and God speak to them. And, and I know he does. God goes before us. Absolutely. He, he wants them saved more than I do. He wants to comfort them more than I do. But I hear myself, I hear God saying, I'm sending you. My hand is going to come through your hand. That's why no one ever gets a check from God. They get a check from you. Lord, provide for them. I know you might not have any money, but sow a seed that might represent something because there's something inside of that. What did Joseph know? Did he know how to do everything? Or did he know something that changed everything? Because the tendency is to say, well, just waiting, waiting on God. Let's back it up because here's Joseph. Again, seemingly perfect. Seemingly perfect. Working out his family situations. You know, his, his mom is, is Rachel and everyone else's mom is Leah. And there was a family dysfunction. And could you imagine being good at finding yourself, being confident amongst hateful people? This is what Joseph worked out. Joseph was good at somehow finding authentic identity amongst hate. That's difficult to do, especially within family. Because honestly, most of us are Joseph. We'd probably just be having a pity party about how everybody hates us and all of the brothers don't like us. And they never want to play baseball with us. And they never ask us to do whatever. But Joseph somehow finds himself, finds out how to work, how to be a steward, how to manage amongst hate. And not only that, but he manages to receive these dreams from God, so much so that we, when we look at Joseph telling his brothers about the dream, I, I think that Joseph so, something happened when God began to speak to him and put the dream inside of him that, that he, he, he couldn't contain himself in that moment. And, and, and not only did he have to tell somebody about it, but I think he really wanted to reach his brothers that he, he really didn't think about it from an arrogant standpoint. He didn't think about it like, well, it's going to be weird. You're all going to be bowing to me. I think he really wanted to share the fact that God had spoken to him, that God had literally, it was God. It wasn't an emotion. It wasn't some feeling. It wasn't an idea. It wasn't a self-help thought. He watched a Netflix documentary about doing great things, and he kind of wanted to share some bodacious big thoughts. No, I think that he really had this moment with God, and he wanted his family to know that God is real. God speaks. God he, God touches, and God imparts no matter what season. He was 17 years old, and God was speaking to him, and for him, it was the most real thing on the planet this is joseph but he finds this out in the context of hatred and then he wears the coat he figures out how to wear the coat he figures out how to be on time he figures out how to 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 do family in the middle of dysfunction and then he finds himself having the coat ripped off and thrown into the pit even Joseph is good at transitions. One of the hardest things in life to figure out. Transitions, I believe, are what take most people out. Financially, emotionally, of course, loss. 
loss of car, loss of job. The Israelites could not transition from Egypt into the promised land. So instead of that transition taking 40 days, there's always grace for a transition. There's always grace to find your feet. But it doesn't need to take a lifetime. Even the Israelites, they couldn't do it. And they died in transition. They died while buffering. They died while praying. They died while thinking about it. When God said, I didn't plan 40 years for you to make this transition. I planned 40 days for you to transition this job, this emotion, this season. There's grace for this season. But you got to make the transition. Even Joseph is good at transitions. Joseph is good at saying no to a lustful woman trying to sleep with him. Joseph is good at everything. What does Joseph know that we don't know? Is it really that he has figured out how to take a 20-week course on beautiful women who won't sleep with you at work? No. Is it, is it that Joseph did a 20-week course on dysfunctional families? And he did a 20-week course on how to lose your robe. And he shows up after losing everything. Could you just, we don't even, could you imagine losing everything? Everything. Everything. And you get sold off to the enemy. You get sold off to the enemy. And, and now you show up in a serving mood. He shows up to his enemy, a militant man of the highest order, and he shows up like, hey, how you like your eggs? How do you show up in a serving mood after losing everything? Joseph seems to be good at everything. He seems to be good at everything. Put up Daniel. I think this verse says it all. Daniel eleven thirty two. And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall be corrupt by flatteries. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. See, and keep that up. Our focus is on he knew how to do everything. This verse shows us the proper order of things that do is last. Our focus, though, is so much on how am I going to do? How am I going to do this season? How am I going to do church? How am I going to do marriage? How am I going to do fatherhood? How am I going to do this job? How am I going to, how am I going to? And do comes from be, and be comes from know. And so really, the whole, the whole order of life is, is not so much about what you do. And even who you are comes from what you know. That, that, that the proper order of things is that Joseph knew something about God that it completely transformed who he was and that transformed everything that he did. And our focus has got to be on what I'm doing and not doing to what I know, what I know, what I know. Because God says you will know the truth and the truth shall make you free. It's not just the truth. It's that you got to know it. I mean, you got to know it. You got to know it. You got to know it. I'm looking for something to drop. I can believe, I can believe that this is going to drop. But you know what God wants to do? He wants us to move us beyond faith. Maybe you've never heard this, but he wants you to know. I know this is going to drop. I don't even have to, I don't even have to look. It dropped, right? Yeah. 
that's the, kind of, that's the kind of place that God wants to bring us into when it comes to salvation. He wants you to know you're saved. He wants you to know you're loved. He wants you to know you're forgiven. Not, 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 not to struggle your whole life with the theology of, hold on, do I need to repent every time I, I take a, every time I, did I steal that? I need to repent. I need to really feel it. I really need to own it. Or, or do you need to just know the forgiveness of God like never before? Do you need to know that your God is real? I believe when Joseph was 17 at his parents' house, doing whatever he was doing, trying to figure out his life, that when God showed up, and began to speak to him, he had a moment where he knew his God was real and he knew that God had created him for a purpose and that dream did something inside of him that he never second-guessed the reality of God and the reality of destiny and that he was always created for a purpose, a mission, and a destiny according to the word of God. He knew it. I mean, he knew it. They will know their God, and they, will, they, will, they shall be strong, and they shall do, know, be, do. Know. Joseph knew something. He knew God. He knew the word of God. He knew the voice of God. He knew it. And when you start looking at predestiny, you start looking at Romans 8, and you start looking at he foreknew me, he pre-knew me, he prepared. You see the painstaking love that our God put into our destiny? He's outside of time. We have free choice, but he prepared some food. He literally wants us to show up to some things in life. Could you imagine? And we start to cook a meal, but all the ingredients are prepared. That's the type of life that God's called us to live. He's not going to force himself on us. We, we, we have free choice. But, but even salvation has been prepared. Even salvation is ready. It's done. Well, hold on, Isaac. I don't know about that. I mean, i got some friends that don't know Jesus. I don't know if it's just that easy. He died for you when you were yet a sinner. It's all been prepared. And, yes, someone needs to receive it and say, God, I want it. I, I want that. I want to know. I want to know the salvation of God. In order to know the salvation of God, you got to know that you're a sinner. But it still comes back to Psalms. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. I'm telling you this morning, he wants to transform you. He wants to transform you through knowing something you've never known. Maybe it's salvation. Maybe it's forgiveness. Maybe it's the voice of God. Maybe it's purpose. See, when, when God reveals himself to you, he can't help but instantly give you purpose. He's a God. He's a God of purpose. He's a God of destiny. He's a God of mission. And so when you get around God, this is what transformed me, and I don't even know if I knew it at 16 years old, that when God started speaking to me and I started knowing God, that I started to get downloaded images and emotions and feelings and thoughts and revelations, and I was starting to know God. And when you start to know God and God starts to... You 
you start to know God like he knows you and, and he starts to speak, something goes inside of you that transforms you. So no matter what season you're in, you know that you don't need to conform to this world, but you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the word of God, that you know something is bigger, you know God is in charge, you know there's purpose, you know he's going to work things out, you can quote that verse your whole life, be anxious for nothing, but by everything, prayer and supplication, he's my provider, but, but there comes a moment where you know it. There comes a moment that you know, that you know, that you know that the church is the body of Christ, that you're a hand, you're a foot, you're someone that God wants to graft in to his bride, to his body, that you know, that you know, that you know that you're called according to his grace, called according to his word, you're called according to the riches that are in heaven, you know that he's in charge and you know it, and it doesn't matter what anybody says, it doesn't matter what doctrine documentary you see it doesn't matter what you experience no one can take from you what you know I will know the truth and the truth will make me free be still and know that I'm even the devil believes even the devil believes and can quote scripture but the people of God know their God I'm telling you today you're gonna know him you're gonna know him you're going to know them, and it's going to change who you are, and it's going to change everything you do. So I believe Joseph knew God. So it didn't matter if he was at home or in Potiphar's house. Who he was was someone that had God on the inside of him. And therefore, everything he did was from that perspective, from that vantage point. God says, I want you to know. I want you to know when you die, you're going to be with me. You're not called to mentally wrestle with that. I want you to know it. I want you to know my love. It doesn't mean you won't struggle. I want you to know who you are. I want you to know the cross. I want you to know my voice. I want you to know my presence. I want you to know my mercy. I want you to know the plan that I have for you. I want you to know that I have good thoughts about you, says God. I, I want you to know that I know. I know you don't know everything. I don't reveal everything. I don't give you the full puzzle. I give you a piece. But I want you to know that I know. I don't ever want you to wrestle with, with God really in control. Did I come out of some primordial goop? Is there purpose? Is there? I don't want to wrestle because God wants you to know today. And the knowing will set you free. The knowing will set you free. God says, I want to put it in you. Hebrews 10, 16. God says, I want you to know it. I want to put it inside of you. I want to put it in you. I want to put it in you. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. God wants to put it in you. He wants to put his word in on the inside. He wants to put salvation on the inside. He wants to put his spirit. That's why we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Because he wants, he wants to put the Holy Spirit where? Inside. He wants to put his word where? Inside. Inside. Where, where does he want to put his presence? Inside. Where does he want to put his gift? 
inside. Not just around me, not just with me, but he wants it inside of me. Jesus says, I come in to your heart. I put heaven in you. I put my glory in you. I put it on the inside of you because it will be what drives. It will be your greater. It will not be your reality until it's on the inside of you. I'm a God from the inside out. I work from the inside out. I put it in you, and you know it. And so our prayer becomes, come on in, God. No matter where you are, come on in. Lord, come on in. Invite him in this morning. God, come on in. Heaven, come on in. Healing, come on in. I invite it. I know it's been prepared. I know it's already been accomplished. I know it's already done. I know it's finished, and I want it. I want the identity of Christ on the inside of me. I want that confidence. I want that mercy. I want rivers of living water to come out of my belly. Why? Because it's on the inside. It's on the inside. I want faith to well up from the inside. I want my heart to beat. I want it to beat for God. He says, I want in. I want in. Joseph wasn't good at everything. He knew something that changed everything. He knew something. He knew something. He knew the truth, and the truth set him free. Free to serve, free to love, free to give, free to forgive, free to show up and serve his enemy. Come on in. And I believe God says, now that I put it in you, I want to put you in. See, Jesus came as a baby. No one knew it. Why? He was a seed. It was stealth mission. He's an, in, he's an inside operator. They were looking for a king, and he came as a seed. Whew, dropped into a manger. And only, only the wise men who followed the star could find him. Why? Because because there's an oak tree in that nut. There's a, there's, a, there's a king inside of that baby. See, God says, I want you, I want you to rule some Egypt, so I'm going to put you in some Egypt. And see, Joseph knew it. Work with me here. Joseph knew it. When God spoke to him, he didn't know everything, but he knew at that moment that God has, had called him and he was real and he was sovereign and he was going before him and he was outside of time and God wanted to accomplish something in and through the life of Joseph. And Joseph knew it, no devil in hell, no dysfunctional family, no trial, no death could separate him from what he knew. Oh, he knew it. He knew it. I'm telling you, when he showed up to Egypt, he knew that God was trying to get him in to what he would rule. Isaac, that's stretching it a little bit. I know you're a preacher, but maybe Joseph was just a good manager. He was a good steward. He was a good man of faith. Let's read it. Genesis 45, 4. And Joseph, this is at the, this is at the fulfillment. I haven't got to preach this yet, but we're going to skip forward and take a sneak peek. 
Joseph now is out of Potiphar's house. He interprets some dreams. He ends up in Pharaoh's house. He's ruler of the land. There's a famine. Now his brothers are coming to get grain. The fulfillment of his dream. We take a peek. And Joseph says to his brothers, please come near to me. So they came near to him. And he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. I'm not just preaching. I'm preaching the word. Joseph knew. Oh, he knew that God sent him. He knew that God sent him. Why? At 17 years old, when God began to reveal to Joseph who he was and what he had, Joseph said, come on in. Come on in. Take over. Take over. Take over. I want you to come in, God. And, 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 and Joseph says it again. Go to the next verse. God sent me. For these two years, the famine has been in the land, and there has still been five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting, and God sent me. Says it again. Just in case you didn't know, God had a plan, brothers, even you meant for evil. God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. This man is good at everything. Forgiveness, family restoration, didn't kill his brothers. How he knew he wasn't good at something. He knew God. He knew his God. He knew something. He knew something. He's a God of putting something in and then taking us and putting us in. And what he put in us, he's going to work out of us into the dysfunctional environment around us. And so God says, I'm a, I, to save the world, I got to get in. And I'm going to put it in you. Oh, check this out. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. Remember where God put his treasure? But we have this treasure in. Woo! It's in. Where, God, where'd you put your treasure? Where'd you put your good stuff? He says, I took it and boom, boom, put it in you. I put my treasure where? in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not us. God said in order to defeat death, I got all up inside of death. I took on death and I took a nail here and I took a nail there and I took a few there. I got all up in death to defeat death because when I rule something, I, I got to get in it. I got to get in it to defeat it. And, and God said, Joseph, I got a dream for you. I got a plan for you. You are called to rule Egypt. And in order to rule it, I got to get you in it. And Joseph hits rock bottom at Potiphar's house. And he says, it's okay because God's in me. And I know something. I know something. I know my God. I know his word. I know he's with me. I know he's going to use it. I know that I know that I know that I know that I know. I know my God. I I know my God. I know his word. I know his presence. I know his face. I know him. 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 
There was a Saul inside of Paul. There was a, there was a Peter inside of Simon. There was a queen inside of Esther. There was a man of valor inside of Gideon. There's an oak tree inside the nut. There's something great on the inside of you. And God says, you're about to know it. I'm about to pull out what I put in. I'm about to pull out what I put in. I put my kingdom. I put heaven. I put grace. I put my word on the inside of you. And now I'm about to pull it out. I'm about to pull it out and bring it into your situation. God, come on in. Oh, invite him in. I want to know it, God. I want to know it, God. I want to know it, God. Let that be the cry of your heart this morning. God, I want to know. I want to know. I want to know. I want to know. Heaven is my home. I want to know that I'm saved. I want to know that you're with me. I want to know that you called me. I want to know my mission. I need a dream. I need a dream to drive me through every valley of the shadow of death. show you. Thank you, Lord. Oh, come on, see in church. He's putting it in you. He's about to pull it out. About to bring it out. say one more thing before we end this service. Maybe just lift this off one last time. This is why God speaks light, not around darkness, but he speaks it where? In to. That's why we're not to be over, overwhelmed by evil, but to overcome evil with good. Why? Because we're in it and we're surrounded. And that's why the last words, some of the last words of Jesus when he gave the great mission to the church and the great mission to the body of Christ and believers and disciples around the world, he said, I give you all authority. Why? Because I call you to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Where does he want us? He wants us in the world. He wants us in it. He wants us in the middle of dysfunction, in the middle of darkness, because he put his word in us and he he puts us in to bring it out. He puts the light. He puts grace. He puts heaven on the inside of you. And he says, I'm going to put you in. I'm putting you in that family. I'm putting you in this region. We're in this region to live.
lift up the name of Jesus and let grace come out and heaven come out and the word come out. Go into all the world. I'm putting you in. In the to know God. You're about to know God. You're about to know God. You're about to know your purpose. You're about to know the word. Thank you, Jesus. Come every battle. Because I know. Come on, give him some praise. Give him some praise. Give him some praise. If you don't know Jesus this morning, just let him come on in. Just open up your heart and say, man, I know that I know that I know that I'm a sinner. I know. I know it. I know I'm a failure. I know I failed. And Jesus says, now that you know that and there's conviction of sin, now you need to know that I want to come on in. And now you're about to know Something beyond your sin. That where there is sin, grace abounds much more. And where you've been lost, you're now about to be found. And Jesus comes on in. And with Jesus comes love and purpose and calling and forgiveness. And all of a sudden, people might judge you for man. You're serving Jesus now. Yeah, I'm not a know-it-all. I just know he knows it all. And I do know, I do know, I do know that I'm saved. I do know that I'm forgiven. I do know that I'm loved. And I do know that there's a place for me in this church. I do know there's a place in this. There is purpose. And now I know what I've never known. The loving, gracious arms of a God who could never love me more than he loves me right now. And yet he's called me to so much more. And you... You begin a relationship with Jesus. Awesome. Hey, if you need some prayer, come on up here. If you need to talk with someone, come on up here. Find yourself in his presence. Find yourself in his word. And you're about to know that there's an oak tree. You just thought you were a nut. And you might be. But there's an oak tree inside of that nut. There's a forest inside of you. And you're now about to know God's about to show you what he put inside of you. And he's about to bring it out. Now, wherever you find yourself in, God says there's purpose in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Have an incredible week. Come on up for prayer. We'll see you next Sunday. Bring someone, invite someone, preach the gospel. We love you. If you need some prayer, come on up.